This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome to Lake Kick is Live. It is Thursday, July 21st, year of our Lord, 2022. Jam-packed, a lot in store. And the key word there is jam-packed and store. Day four of SEC Media Days. We are live and high atop downtown Atlanta, Georgia. We're wrapping things up, but we're just going to unveil some stuff on our own side of the fence. So it's a really good day to be watching the show live. We've got Josh Heupel on the show, Tennessee head coach. Brian Harson had a lot to say here today. Jimbo Fisher. It, it, it's a day that ends in Y, so he had a lot to say. Also got some things to talk about from the ACC Media Day event with Dabo Swinney. How about Dabo after dark? I know some of you, in fact, most of you have probably heard those comments by now. If you haven't, do yourself a favor after the show and go listen to them. Because just looking at the words really don't do it justice. But we've got a jam-packed show. So happy to be able to do this all week. They're watching us in Tifton, Georgia, nearby Ty Ty, Georgia. They're watching us in Dallas, Texas, Dayton, Ohio. Stay tuned. The Late Kick store will be opened, and you will be given that link by the end of this show. And I'm only giving it out in the live show because you deserve a award for watching the show live. Uh, let's dive into this thing. Brian Harson and Auburn, they came into SEC Media Days today. They were one of the first teams to arrive here. And you knew that we were going to get a lot of talk about that stuff that happened off the field back in February. It feels a lot further back than that. And if you're unfamiliar, do the research. I think most of you who are watching the show are familiar. But there was a lot of stuff that was done by people in the Auburn sphere to you know, try and oust Brian Harson, And he kind of stepped up on the main stage podium today and said, a definitive, it didn't work. Those were his words. It didn't work. We got him to ourselves, and we talked with him extensively about that. Uh, but also, you know, I've noticed this, and I think a lot of you guys have noticed this. Anytime Brian Harson has said something about this, which has been rare, uh, but today, anytime he said something about it, there was always this group of like five to seven either regional or national types out there. Don't need to mention them by name. They got a little snippy response, and basically they insinuate, well, he won't be there that long anyway. You know, he's, he's out of here in a year. If I didn't know anything about Harson, if I didn't know anything about the Auburn program, which I do, but if I didn't, and I just saw the reaction that he gets from a certain group of people, it would default me over to the Brian Harson side of the fence. Now, as it stands, I do know something about him. Uh, we did get to meet with him, and I do intimately know the Auburn program because it's the closest one that I grew up to uh, down in Columbus, Georgia. But Brian Harson, I want to make something very clear. Brian Harson has no clue if this is his last year. And I'm not talking about something that's already been decided, but you know as well as I do, the expectation level's not high for that team. The over-under preseason win total is six, not eight or nine, six. So if they go seven and five, they, they are viewed as an overachiever. Well, that's not the standard at Auburn, obviously. You and I both know that. But there are a lot of folks out there who would tell you he's done this year because they don't have a good enough team. And so the follow-up would be, and they know it. I've heard folks say that, and they know it. Uh, no, they don't know it. Brian Harson, when you talk to him, when you listen to him or when you meet him one-on-one, -on -one, he talks like he has Nick Saban's roster. He talks like he has 
Kirby Smart's roster. He talks with that air of confidence about himself. It's really a bunker mentality, and it is something that competitors have. And there, mm, there are a lot more folks out there who claim to be competitors than there are true competitors. There are a lot of folks out there who say, oh, I hate to lose. There, there are far fewer out there who really do what it takes not to be a loser. Brian Harson's not a loser. I'm not telling you he's about to go 10-2 and two and make a Sugar Bowl run this year. I'm just telling you everything that can be done uh, and, and is possible at Auburn will be exhausted this year. The other thing to keep in mind, this goes back to my own expectation level for Auburn, is, I mean, the quarterback situation is what we're paying attention to across the SEC because it's a really deep year at quarterback. The guy last year who was the preseason Heisman favorite is in the SEC and no one's even talking about him. He's overshadowed so much. His name's Spencer Rattler, by the way. He plays football now for South Carolina. But at Auburn, that's one of the places where there isn't one guy who's standing out. Zach Calzada, the A&M transfer, you think may end up winning the job. He didn't get to go through spring. T.J. Finley was there last year. Uh, you've already seen him. Did he look like a guy who can lead them to nine or ten wins? Rinse to be seen there. Robbie Ashford's the Oregon transfer. Point being... You can have the right mentality. You can do everything right and still lose football games in this conference. I'm not ignorant enough to suggest otherwise. What I am saying is, if you could be around Harson, yeah, if you're a certain kind of person, let me put it that way. I- I'm one of them. And you could be around Harson, and then you listen to a lot of the chatter outside from another kind of person, you'd end up probably pulling for Brian Harson. Unless you grew up a Georgia fan, or you grew up an Alabama fan or LSU fan, in which case I get it. But I really appreciate how he handles his business. That's what I'll say about him. Win, lose, or draw. I appreciate how he handles his business. I appreciate how he handled the mess, the garbage uh, that was thrown his way off the field, uh, up to and including today. And so th- that's my takeaway from Brian Harson. Nothing about what he said today or the way he carries himself changes what they will be on the field this fall. But, you know, we don't have football talking. We don't have football happening right now to talk about. We do have that to talk about. We'll have a lot more to say about Auburn in the coming days and weeks. Academy Sports and Outdoors, we've been thrilled with them forever. We've been thrilled, especially this week, that they've taken us on the road. You know, the last time that I saw someone wearing something like this fancy little headset I have on, it was in the movie Twister, and Evil Jonas on the Evil Storm Chasing team was wearing one. And I swore that day I'll never wear an evil headset. Uh, But it's not so evil. These things are actually really pretty snazzy, especially if you've got Jason here to put it on for you. You just throw your hands out. And he puts it on for you. Uh, but we appreciate Academy for making that all possible. As I'm, as I'm touting it, it's fallen off my ear. That's a sign. Um, Academy Sports and Outdoors is there for you. They're there for us. And I know they're there for you. Anything you need, outdoor sporting good related. And if you can't get there in person, academy.com, that's your hookup. So Academy Sports and Outdoors, thank you so much forever for making the show free to everyone and for making this week possible. Keep in mind, as you guys are tuned in live, Lake Kickstore, about to open back up. And I'm going to tell you, it's happening before the end of the show eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices... 
Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The next thing that I wanted to draw your attention to that did not happen in Atlanta, but has happened in the last 24 hours, Dabo Swinney. Over at ACC Media Days, I mean, he was on the main podium and he spoke like Dabo Swinney normally speaks. Now, I happen to like him. Like, I, I've been a big fan of the way Dabo carries himself. I'm not a big fan of the us against the world stuff all the time, even when you're favored by like 90 against most of your opponents. But I am a fan that he speaks his mind, and regardless of whether I agree with it or not all the time, he speaks his mind. Well, Dabo spoke his mind yesterday. And I called it Dabo After Dark if you were following on Twitter because he got on there, man. He was throwing around some terms now. I don't even know if CBS allows us to say him on air, so I'm not. But uh, he was speaking very much in what we would call a closed booster setting kind of vernacular. You know, the kind of stuff you can say on the back porch at the family reunion that probably is not best reserved for, I think it was Sirius XM with Lugan Bill and the guys yesterday. But uh, Dabo let it rip. Let, at one point, he said slapdick. At one point, he said milkbone underwear. He ran the gamut yesterday. Everything he ever heard growing up in and around Pelham, Alabama, he just took that barrel, he turned it upside down, and he let it all out. Who was he talking about? He was talking about DJ Uyangalale, his starting quarterback. Or at least, if you open a preview magazine, the guy listed as his starting quarterback. Now, you and I both watched him last year. He struggled. Debo admitted as much yesterday. It's impossible to say otherwise. Debo's got like infinite amounts of confidence that he is going to bounce back this year. Now, this is where he and I differ. He gets to see him every day. I don't, I don't have this, this mountain of confidence that magically six months of not playing meaningful games is all of a sudden going to rectify some of the actual mechanical issues. Now, uh, listen to some of the quarterback guys out there talk. I, I don't, I don't, expect you to trust me to break down a quarterback's mechanics. I wouldn't trust me to break that down. But there are some people out there equipped to do it. And you hear them on the record. Sometimes we get to talk to them off the record. And they'll tell you. They'll point out A, B, C, and D. And what it contributes to is a lack of poise and a lack of accuracy. And if you can't stay poised, I know offensive line was an issue last year. I understand that. But if you can't be accurate with the football, you don't, you're not long for that world. And that was a couple of the problems, actually, with DJ last year. Well, anyway, Dabo was talking yesterday, and he's talking about how all that's going to be rectified. This guy was a, an awesome, true freshman, and then last year, yeah, he struggled, but then he listed all the reasons why he struggled. You may call them excuses. He called them reasons, whatever. We're going to find out this year is the whole point. This isn't fantasy football, or it's not a projection. How would DJ have done? The season's going to come. And I keep going to that first game against Georgia Tech, you know, we're in Atlanta right now. No one's talking about Georgia Tech here. Uh, their lives, that coaching staff's professional lives are on the line, and they sold out the game it was announced today. And uh, I think it's, I think it's a, the Benz, actually. Wherever they play the game, can you imagine if after all this offseason hype, not, out, not outside, it's internal. That's the head coach there at Clemson talking. If after all of that, I'm pulling for the kid now, but if he can't follow up and follow through on that, and it's like, 13 to 9 midway through the third quarter and it's just this absolute clunker 
I don't think people appreciate how radically this thing can turn on a dime. From, a, from months and months and months of talking about how DJ's going to have a bounce back year to all of a sudden, we got this guy named Cade Klubnik on our bench. We didn't have him there last year. And when are we going to pull the trigger? Like how, how long or short, rather, is the leash this year? Because it was as long as you could imagine last year. There was no option on the sideline. There is this year. That's what my mind keeps going back to. It's, it's, it's great to have supreme confidence in your guys, and I'm sure it did nothing but boost the confidence of DJ Uyangalale when he heard his head coach talking about him like he did yesterday. I, I just I don't have a problem with it because I know eventually football is going to happen. And so talking is irrelevant at that point, but I will say if you don't follow through on, you know, as a player what your head coach said yesterday, uh, there's going to come a time in the season where there will be a change at quarterback. And if your results don't follow up in a 10-win or better kind of scenario, there's going to be a lot of looking back. And here's what that's going to sound like. Hypothetical land now, but here's what it sounds like. If Clemson is a three-loss team again, let's just say worst case, three or four-loss team, here's how December would sound. They would play the sound bites from Dabo from yesterday, and they would ask, how did this guy have such supreme confidence in a player that ended up being not much improved from what we saw last year, or, or God forbid if he's worse than what we saw last year. And they'll say, huh, how did Dabo Swinney not see that? Because, I mean, at that point, you'll have a lot of doubters who were on record as saying DJ's not going to be good, and they'll be pointing back to their own proclamations in the summer and saying, even I saw that it wasn't going to be a good year for Clemson. How did Dabo not see it? And then the overall credibility factor will be called into question. This is how this happens, Okay. That's why coaches, for better or for worse, a lot of times play it close to the vest in the preseason. Well, Dabo chose a different tact. It's great to believe in your guys. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm just telling you, there's a, there's a pro and a con to that. And the con, if things go downhill, is your own words get turned against you about four months from now. So let's hope for Clemson's sake uh, it becomes irrelevant. Okay. Uh, we just, in, what would you say, Stoney, like the last 30 minutes, we talked to Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo was the last one to come through today. Uh, if you want to call that a grand finale, okay. If you want to call it saving the best for last, okay. But Jimbo Fisher came into Atlanta at SEC Media Days today. He was asked about the saving stuff a lot. And you got exactly what you thought you would get from Jimbo Fisher talking about the Nick Saban stuff. Now, my favorite quote from him was, Nick and I said some things back and forth, and unfortunately... It went public. I need to remind you, it went public because Jimbo Fisher called a press conference the next day uh, with the express intent to make it public. I'm not blaming anyone. I'm having fun with it. Settle down. I'm having fun with it. What I am saying, though, is if you didn't think those guys were going to have this ironed out by the time you got to Atlanta two months later, then you were crazy. Uh, they had that taken care of. And even if they didn't have it taken care of, they knew it serves no purpose for us to continue this. We're not going to give them the satisfaction. And they're not going to give you the satisfaction. They may hate each other behind the scenes, uh, but they're not going to let you know about it anymore. However, what I did like and what I noticed is he did, he being Jimbo Fisher, he did go back to the same theme that we talked about on Late Kick the night after that happened. And that is, look, we want the same thing. Nick, Nick Saban and I, we want the same thing. We just want uniformity. Uh, th at that night, they both called for federal help. And, you know, wh whereas I maybe haven't gone that far, because I, I know what that means, they're singing from the same hymnal. That's twice in as many days as we've said that on this show, but they're singing from the same hymnal. They want the same thing a lot of these coaches do. It was a theme on and off the record all week. 
I mean, as, as Harson was walking into our room earlier today, there were rumors and news about new legislation that's being passed from the NCAA, and coaches didn't even know. And so they're looking around and saying, hold on, what does that mean? What's that going to mean for, for rosters at this point of the year and that point of the year? That's how they all sound. That's what's aggravating so many head coaches. This is a group of folks who need to control. That's not just a college thing, man. That, that's, that's an every-level thing. The coaches are the most comfortable when they control things. They don't control the outcome of the game, but if they control the structure of the practice to get the players that they recruited ready to play the game that they are on the sideline for, that's control to them. When people or entities are throwing things at them that they don't control, or when they're having to operate in a world where they don't even know what the rules are going to say 12 months from now, that's not control. And they're not experts in the NIL field. They're not experts in the conference realignment field. That's what aggravates a lot of them. So Jimbo pretty much sounded like everyone else, albeit speaking a little bit faster when talking about that today. But he also talked about his quarterback position, did Jimbo Fisher? And yeah, he mentioned Haynes King. And he mentioned Max Johnson, but he circled right back to something that he said on our show on National Signing Day, and that is, I think I have the best freshman quarterback in the country in Connor Wegman. Remember, I asked him several months ago, why didn't you get more involved in the Quinn Ewer sweepstakes? Texas ended up getting him. Maybe it wouldn't have changed if A&M was in it, but A&M was never even in it. He said, we didn't get in it because I thought we had the best guy in the country in Connor Wegman. And he included Ewers in that, even though Ewers is technically not a true freshman. Pay attention to that. I know that everybody, including myself, honestly, everybody's looking at that quarterback battle, and it's an A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A. It may very well play out that way. Or it may be that neither one of those guys totally takes the job by the throat, and Jimbo Fisher keeps looking over there at the guy running with the threes, and all of a sudden that guy's running with the twos, or at least getting some reps with the twos, and then he gets some reps with the ones, and first thing you know, they're struggling in a game, or maybe someone gets nicked up, and Connor Wegman's in there a lot sooner than you ever thought he would be. The other thing, here's the theme I have picked up on, talking to coaches uh, behind the scenes about Texas A&M, a couple of personnel folks too. The phrase, get them early, keeps getting said. It's what they said about Bama last year, get them early. And the reason they're saying that about A&M is because they know there's a little uncertainty at quarterback. I, I don't think it's doubt, but it is uncertainty. They understand there are a lot of young pieces that are going to be integral to their overall success. Think in Evan Stewart, for example, at wide receiver. And they know the team that you see in September, the team that plays Miami in week three, for example, is going to be a far cry from the team that plays LSU at the end of the year. Now, if that team playing LSU already has two or more losses, they're not on the playoff radar. They're probably not on the SEC championship radar. But if they only have one loss, maybe it's to Alabama. You know, maybe they're not, maybe they're behind the Crimson Tide and they're not vying for the SEC Western Division title. But you and I both know you got one loss in the SEC West and it's to Bama. Doesn't matter if you go to Atlanta. You're probably still in the college football playoff conversation. And at that point, a lot of those freshmen are really no longer freshmen anymore. At that point, you, for better or for worse, in this case better, you've got quarterback figured out already. A lot of folks want to get A&M early. They want to play them early, but they want to make sure they bite them a couple times early because they don't want to see that roster given time to gel, and they don't want to see what could be that machine in 2022 come together. All right, we had Josh Heupel today. I kind of want to save the interview uh, for last here. So Tennessee's Josh Heupel rolled in earlier today. They got here about 15 minutes late. Weather. Our guys had a warning because they have my number. Tennessee apparently didn't want to check with me last night. But they eventually got here. Uh, Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel, nice enough to sit down with us, even through the delay. And we got, I thought, some really good stuff from him. Take a look. This is Josh Heupel with us earlier. Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel finally 
An emphatic entrance at SEC Media Days. Weather gets you a little bit this morning? Yeah, we got uh, held up in, in Knoxville. It was uh, crackling and thundering a little bit uh, this morning, but uh, great to be here in Atlanta. Not quite a Kansas Big 12 situation last year. They just had to pull the no-show. So it's good to have you here. Uh, a lot of people want to ask a lot of questions. I want to just start generically with the program. When you look at it right now, if you're able to zoom out, in your role, what do you see? What is Tennessee football? Yeah, I have to zoom out in, in my role uh, at certain times, and and uh, so much excitement that surrounds our program uh, right now. A year ago, so much uncertainty uh, as we were embarking on, on the challenge of rebuilding the Tennessee brand on the football field, uh, but there's so much excitement that surrounds Tennessee football in our athletic department as a whole. Um, there's so much success that's happened over the past 365 days. And it's been so much fun to be a part of. And, you know, for me and our family, it's the first time we've gotten a chance to, to really soak in Knoxville and, and the fan base and engage and, and immerse ourselves in it. And, and uh, so much excitement. And, uh, you know, for us this fall, uh, our kids, our culture inside of our building, the way that we've worked, um, you know, gives us a, a ton of excitement heading into uh, to training camp and then into the regular season. When I was watching your hire happen, I'm on the outside now, and it even felt to me like, man, things are moving so fast. He, he comes in. It was a little bit later in the cycle than it normally is. There's a whole lot of transfer portal stuff, portaling, I guess is a verb now. <laughs> yeah. And it, I don't know, it had to feel like things were moving a million miles an hour. So once you're finally a little bit removed from it and you can breathe a little bit, do you finally feel like you have your legs under you fully? Yeah, in year one, uh, I don't care when you take over, um, the, the year and the cycle's happening so fast. It's... Uh, I'm not sure you're playing from ahead. You're trying to catch up all the time. And uh, certainly, you know, the timing of our hiring two months later than most hirings are, um, you know, it, it was even more sped up. Uh, at the same time, I think that gave us some, a unique opportunity when I first got on campus. I got a chance to, to watch and evaluate because our kids were already in their off-season program. It gave me a chance to evaluate some of the things that were going on inside of the program and the personnel there, too. So that was one of the positives. Um, but certainly in year two, in the continuity that we've been able to keep inside of our program from our old coaches and young coaches and support staff groups has allowed us, since we got back after the bowl game in January, to really just push ahead. There's a clear understanding of who and what we're going to be, how we're going to function in the building, the accountability and culture that we're going to create inside of the building. And now it's been about our daily work habits. And uh, this group of players, this football team, has been a lot of fun to be around. Their buy-in and their care factor and their ability to care and be connected to the, their teammates is, uh, is a special one. I'm going to give you four words. You can just react however you want to. Recruiting in the SEC. Yeah, uh, 365 days out of the year, and uh, I'm not going to say it's 24 hours out of the day, but it's day near that. Um, it, it's an endless battle of competition, and uh, you got to recruit uh, great players uh, that fit the right culture uh, piece as well into your, your building, um, but you got to be relentless and, and do it every single day. There is, there's, a, to me, a misnomer that a lot of people look at the state of Tennessee and they, at one point it was a national recruiting power. I don't know where it shifted, but a lot of folks nowadays think, man, you got to kind of be regional at best there, and maybe there's not enough in-state talent. I, I speak very pejoratively because I personally don't share that opinion, but I'm interested, you came in, you've had um, a year to assess sort of the lay of the land. 
when, when Tennessee recruiting is operating at 100%, when you're at cruising altitude, what does the Tennessee recruiting model look yeah, like? Yeah, you can see that I disagreed just by my body language as soon as, as, soon as you started uh, saying those things. I grew up in an era where Tennessee was on the forefront offensively, defensively, cutting edge, uh, the type of players that they were able to recruit, competing for championships you know, year in and year out, and, and one of the strongest and biggest brands in, in all of college athletics and certainly on the football side of it too. Um, you know, a year ago, uh, probably our footprint um, mattered and, and we were a little bit more regional in, in that way as we got a chance to showcase who we were going to be culturally and how we were going to play. You know, the brand of the Power T started to, to spread its wings and, and uh, certainly that, that in-state recruiting, our natural footprint within five hours is going to be extremely important to us. It always has traditionally when we've been successful, we've been able to go out and recruit the best in that area. But we've also been able to go coast to coast and, and recruit specific individuals that are highly talented, that fit the culture, uh, to come in and make an impact inside of our program. And, and I certainly believe we're in that space right now. How close were you last year offensively to being what a perfect version of the Josh Heupel Tennessee offense would yeah, be. Yeah, um, I don't know if there's, you ever get to a, a perfect version of, of what we're going to be. Um, we're always going to change year to year based on the personnel. Uh, and, you know, guys are ready to compete at a championship level. we got to find a way to put them in a position to be successful. I do think in year one we operated as efficiently as we have any of the places that we've been. Um, I do think, you know, we've pushed forward. Uh, we have a lot of young talent that's got to step up in, in some major um, pieces and roles that, that left. A lot of guys got drafted in the NFL. Um, but that's the great thing about college football is that there is opportunity. A year ago, nobody had heard of Cedric Tillman at this point. Now he's one of the premier college uh, football players at his position uh, in all of college football. I'll get you out of here on this. Um, when you as a staff are meeting right now, I know there are a million things you focus on, but what's the one bullet point you continue to hammer, hammer, hammer? Yeah, I think it's always about accountability, uh, culture, um, and being great teachers. Um, you know, we have highly competitive individuals that came to Tennessee to chase and compete on and off the field, but to win championships on the field. Um, we're starting to work in a way that we're creating expectation inside of our locker room. We've developed great leadership. We have to be great teachers, great mentors inside of uh, our coaching staff. Tennessee head coach Josh Heupel, I appreciate it. Uh, great being here with you. Thank you. Appreciate Josh Heupel joining us. That is a major wild card team in the SEC, but I don't think you care about wild cards right now. You care about this index finger going over to this live chat and hitting send because the store is once again open. PateStateMaterial.com is live, but the world doesn't know because the only time I've announced it and the only place I've announced it is right here on the live show. It's open. It's live. There's the link right there. Remember it because we're about to end the show. Appreciate you guys so much for being a part of this. I'm telling you right now what we do have in that store is probably going to sell out again. So I'm giving you first dibs. I appreciate you guys watching live. It really helps us. It's helped us all week. Our entire staff and crew have helped us all week. Academies helped us all week. I got unprecedented access. All the SIDs and the coaches were great to us. If we didn't hit you and you still want a spot on the show, and I've already talked to a couple of you, you know where to come. You know how to get in touch with me. We will be back live in Nashville Sunday night. Until then, for our entire staff and crew here and everyone, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great rest of your week and early start to the weekend. If you're lucky, God bless. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals 
with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.